This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boon Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode is brought to you by Bliss. As a busy mum, I'm all for finding some me time without having to leave home. So Bliss, the app that makes prioritising self-care easier than ever, couldn't have come at a better time. With Bliss, you can book an in-home massage, beauty or wellness treatment with a qualified and trusted professional that comes to you. Bliss brings you self-care your way on your schedule. Go to getbliss, that's getblys.com.au and use the code RON15 to save $15. Hello and welcome to Witching Hour, the podcast that looks at what's exciting, delighting, intriguing and frustrating us when it comes to making work, work. I'm Lucinda. And I'm Luz. And I've got some good news for you for oh, a change. swapsies. On LinkedIn recently. I saw just about the best thing in the world. Oh, on LinkedIn. Really? LinkedIn, no, which is not where, really where <laughs> You've people... You've taken me back to begin with. Good ideas normally go to die. But yeah. In this instance, it's beautiful. So this came from female cotitiant. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce that word. Cotitiant. Yeah, cotitiant. I've said that wrong. I'm, I'm going to keep this in, which goes against every part of me morally because I pride myself in being good at English. Okay. And this is calling me out on it. This hair braiding class for dads is so popular, there's a wait list. Oh my God, my heart dies. When Annis War started hosting hair braiding classes for fathers in St. Albans in England, she only expected a few sign-ups. To her surprise, beers and braids Stop. not only sold out but had a wait list. When parents share responsibilities, children are inherently observing equality. Children will remember their dad doing their hair before school, War said. I think if I can pass that on to a few more people by way of a little braiding legacy, then I'll be really happy. So cute. I love this. How adorable. It's so beautiful. And I just love, like I would never have thought of equality from that angle. It's so nice. I still remember when I was little and one day I went to this Hanson party. Did you ever listen to Hanson or were you too young? I've got a weird story about Hanson. My friend had a poster in her bedroom. And I was scared of it. And it was the Hanson Brothers. I couldn't sleep in the room where the Hanson Brothers were, which is weird because I loved them and I had crushes on all of them. So I went to this party and it was a Hanson party, which is a bit weird when you think about it because there's only like three people to dress up yeah. as. Like you don't have much option. And of course, I want to go with Zach. So I asked my dad, because you know how Zach had that like cool hair? Yeah. So I asked my dad to plait my hair into tiny plaits. <laughs> and did he do it? He did it. I loved it. That's beautiful. It was so sweet. It's one of my favorite memories. Deloitte conducted a survey in America in August this year, and it found that girls who play sports are likely to have successful careers. 85% of surveyed women who played sports say the skills that they developed playing sports were important to success in their professional careers. The findings are even higher among women in leadership roles and women who make $100,000 or more. Of female respondents who made 100 k plus annually, and are in management or leadership roles, 69% of them have played competitive sports, Mm. which I thought was interesting. And regardless of personal experience playing sports, 61% of respondents agree that girls who play sports are likely to have successful careers. Interesting. Yeah. The key reasons of the correlation 
between team sports and career success if we break it down according to moi. I love that these are yours because they were very professionally Well, written. look, I some of them are and some of them article. are. No, no, some of them are. Number one, team sports teaches you important relationship skills and determination. Number two, sporting organisations help with networking. So it's expanding your social circle and teaching you how to communicate with others from different backgrounds, um, different interests, Super different important. hobbies. Yeah, which I think is really important. Sport is good for that too because it's not necessarily your school community. It's just like the it could be anybody. community. So exactly. It's good for like meeting new people. Yeah. Number three, it also, in my opinion, teaches women to be aggressive. And mm. I don't mean like you know, in your face, yeah. but it does teach you to go after what you want. Really so if you're in a team sport, usually there's some form of competitive factor yeah. to that. I think that's really beneficial in the workplace from a, you know, from a career progression point of view. Yeah. Maybe it encourages women to put their hand up. Don't know, but I think it could. That's really interesting. You've actually made me think about this in a new light because it's not, I was going to come in and say I sort of love and hate this article because I mm. can't help but think that there might be a correlation between trying to almost emasculate women into acting like men in the workplace. Yeah. But you've also made me think that it does teach women aggression in a good way, not in like the, oh, she's being not in the way where, you know, there's a lot of surveys that say like that women will get reprimanded much quicker than men for appearing angry in the workplace. Yeah. Not in that sense, but I do see what you mean. It gives you a bit more gusto, a bit like if you've got really competitive tendencies, go get it. This is an interesting one. It could also be said that the same families that encourage girls to be athletes encourage women to be competitive and successful at work and everything that they do. That's a really interesting one. I did so much sport growing up. And one sort of devil, devil's advocate moment I'm going to have here is, fuck, the pressure of parents to yeah, take I kids did to think, so much sport. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, like it's just constant. If I think back, I reckon my mum and dad put about 10 hours a week into I reckon I played netball four times a week. I did dancing twice a week. In amongst that, there were moments of basketball, tennis. It is so much and it's a lot of pressure. But having said that, I loved it and it's definitely helped me be the person I am today. You meet new people, you meet different people. It's so good for all of that. And Part of me did hate this article in a sense because I was like, oh, but we're just trying to make women act like men in the workplace and maybe we're trying to do that on the sports field. However, I will rebut that by saying I loved what you said earlier about teaching aggression and not being like, you, you need to be a good girl and you have to be a good girl and you have to be very feminine. So I totally agree with you in that sense. And also, if I really think about it, my sportiest friends are also probably the leaders of the pack. They're probably the people that are more willing to ask for a promotion yep. and willing to get what they want. I do think there's a level of strategy to win sport. So if you're playing netball or basketball, you need to be thinking as a team player, who do I pass to next? How can I get that final goal? I think that mentality will serve you really well as you're a little bit older in that corporate setting. Like, who do I need to get sign off for from this? Who do, who I, need do I work to, well with? Who exactly. do I not work well with? Who do I need to influence to get my idea further ahead in the queue? Mm. Things like that I think are very significant and I think group sports does That's teach you that. Interesting. On paper, I didn't – I liked this article because I'm all for women playing sport and I want to see women out there playing sport and that obviously leads to professional sports competitions opening up for women and like as we just saw with the Matildas being yeah. on the world stage. But I did have some weird moments of thinking, are we just trying to turn women into men? And now – I'm not feeling that way. One thing I will say is I think sometimes we can equate success with those male traits too much. And mm -hmm. one thing I will say is while I just said that 
my friend friends who were sportier are sort of the leaders of the pack. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different types of success and this is talking about one very specific sort of leadership domineering type of su- success perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I am of the opinion that there is a difference between individual sport, you have to be very self-competitive, yeah. and group sport. So if your child is not sporty, that's okay and it's more around that group activity so maybe yeah. it's play group when you're little yeah or maybe it's like a like arts a more and craft yeah pursuit. it could be anything with other children where they're learning to share they're learning to like i don't know take different things at a certain time yeah. or and learn from others and all of that sort of stuff exactly i think that's super beneficial obviously i'm not a child psychologist or no. expert in we any of that stuff <laughs> but i do find it really i do find it really interesting I will say this study is it spans over life, mm. and as a first-time mum, I remember feeling this enormous pressure, mainly by myself, to do all of these additional things with yes. Sienna. For example, I was like, everyone's like, "Oh, make sure you do swimming, make sure you do swimming." I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." So six months on the dot, yeah. I was like, "Oh, I have to enroll her in swimming." Yeah. Her first swimming lesson was thirty dollars. Yeah. I sat there singing Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> With a group Were you of, in the pool? I was in the pool, which I hated, in a cesspool of pee, singing Humpty Dumpty to a six-month-old. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, I could dunk her in the bath and have the same experience. I've actually never enrolled Ray in swimming lessons and you've just reminded me of that and I do feel guilty about it. But I agree with you. It's sort of these sorts of things we can always be like, oh, more pressure for parents. But you've got it's about finding life. that balance and finding what works for them. So it doesn't have to be sport. It doesn't have to be rough and tumble. It could be a whole different type of things. But I think the key message is that idea of teamwork yep. is really important. As a mother, the worst three words in the English language. Having a child doesn't give you some special insight or make you morally superior to the kid-free among us, writes Bibi Lynch. Bibi. Bibi, that's a Bibi. cute name. It is cute. So why do so many people think it does? As Bibi said, I don't think being a mother makes you superior, but I do think it's divisive. So I think the experiences as a mother, hilarious, are different. Like they To non-mother friends. Yeah, they are. Yeah. For example, a friend of mine recently had a rager. Kudos to her. I can shout oh. out. Love it. What time did she go to bed? Too late. After nine o'clock. AM? No. Oh, PM. I was like, Jesus. It couldn't be We probably shouldn't no, be I'm sharing joking. that on the podcast. Yeah. Rager for me is definitely after 9 p.m. Now, she had a, a big night and the next day she was complaining, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. And her feelings are valid. She is tired. I get it. We've all been there. But I did kind of think to myself, yeah, but you can sleep in. Mm, you were, and you were deep down and we don't want to admit it, but deep yeah. down you're like, you don't know what tiredness is, sweetie. Yeah, that is how I felt. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to say because it's so – it's such a shitty thing to say for people mm. that don't have children. Mm. But when you do have children, like but, yeah. Mm. But when you do have children, there are certain things that you can't necessarily do and you've made the choice to have them. I'm mm. not – Yes, and so when someone says, I'm so tired or I'm so stressed or whatever – I think it's very easy to innately have that moment of being like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we were we were people before our children, and we know that we were still busy, tired people. Yeah, of course. I was listening to something the other day about how people form connections based on similar interests or experiences. And one thing that I did learn after having Sienna was that this interest or experience mm. can literally just be 
a child, mm. even if you are polar opposite people, yeah. even if you've got nothing in yeah. common, if you've had a kid, you've got something to talk about. Mm. And this comes to fruition when you're at the park, right? You bump into someone, I know your kid's like, decided that they're their best friend for the three minutes that you yeah. meet them. You're like, oh, and, and how old's your kid? And yeah. uh, like it's a natural connection. Yeah. And it's so unfortunately true that your friendships change with your non-parent friends. Yeah, because your life's become so different. So different and it's sad and I even hate saying that out loud because, again, it makes us sound morally superior. But having people go through the same experience as you is huge. It would be like if someone went through a huge grief that you had been through. Say two people lost their parent at a really early age. Like it's something big that changes your life forever mm-hmm. and that's what kids are. And you bond over it, you do. Yeah, you do. I am going to put one other controversial thing out there. I had this situation and was actually at a previous workplace where when I was pregnant. I know where you're going with this and I love it. (laughs) When I was pregnant, a person that I knew didn't have children but had dogs. She was like, I totally get it, you know. And I – and. When I was pregnant, I was like, oh, you know, I'm getting rest. I totally get it. I've got dogs. And I kind of brush it off like, oh, yeah, you know, she probably does get it because mm. dogs can wake you up and stuff. Yeah. But then when the comments continued after birth, <laughs> after birth <laughs> there was points where I was like, babe, they're dogs. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, and don't get me wrong, hard work, but please don't compare your dog yeah, to and, me breastfeeding my baby yeah, every and, two hours. And in some ways they can be harder because, yeah. you know, it can be difficult to leave them. Mm. Whereas with children you can give them to – actually, no. You that's, just leave them on the couch. I, I mean <laughs> – Children are very them. easy to just leave on the couch. Oh, roll off. dogs. I have to take my dog everywhere. I've got a dog carrier. Actually, that's it's very <laughs> stressful. So invalid. <laughs> Like I do, I do want no, to what you're say saying this. is it's, it's not easy to have a dog and it is a responsibility. Exactly. And I definitely used to say before Ray, and I stand by it, that having our dog Louie did help prepare for being less selfish because all of a sudden you have a dog that you can't just leave for a weekend. You have yeah. to find somewhere for them to go. So I totally get the sentiment, but I also get what you're saying that when you're having sleepless nights and you've given birth Like and I don't want to hear that, about your freaking dog. Like my vagina. <laughs> do you know what happened to my vagina in birth? Do you want to do you want to talk about how like, your dog how your dog ripped open your <laughs> vagina? Not sure they're the same thing. It's so funny that you say that because a really good family friend of mine, when a mutual friend of ours had a baby, she was like, "I've got to stop comparing your baby to my dog because I keep acting like it's the same thing and it's not." Exactly. <laughs> Something that I've noticed, especially recently, I think, as someone that has been a mother for. Not some time now, but not six months. I'm not in the newborn phase anymore. Mm. Is on the other hand, the assumption that because you're a mother, you want to talk about motherhood and your kids all the time, that shared experience piece, sometimes I'm like, are we still talking about our kids? We've Mm. got better things to say. So I think it actually can be both sides where sometimes I actually crave my non-parent friends because I'm like, Let's talk about something that has nothing to do with kids. After the niceties of the masking, how my kid is. Yeah. Then you go on to talk about different things. Do you ever have that feeling? Uh, yeah. Sometimes I love talking about my children and other days I'm like, oh, I'm just off them. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with that person that is bringing kids into the conversation because sometimes that's me. Yeah. But sometimes you're just like, stop assuming. Yeah. We do not think it's superior, but we do think it's different. It's different. It's a... I think it's undeniably different. It's really hard to articulate, isn't it? Without sounding like an asshole. It is. Without sounding like a dickhead and like you think 
Do you know why? Do you know what I think gives parents a bad rap in this space? Is because it's those wait until you comments. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, wait until you know what a sleepless night really is like. You think you're tired now. Yep. I think that gives us a bad rap when people take that moral superiority because that is being morally superior. You're just being a dickhead if you're talking like that. But if you're just sort of feeling like maybe your friends don't get it, don't have kids, that doesn't make you morally superior. You're just going through something different. I'm in my 40s, child-free and happy. Why won't anyone believe me? This is a piece from the New York Times that caught my attention. Since I turned 40, I've encountered disbelief that I could possibly be enjoying my own life. This writer sounds quite funny. She's talking about, obviously, the fact that she's decided to be kid-free and that she's quite happy about it, but that everyone else around her thinks it isn't so. So she was sat next to a writer that she really admires at a dinner party Mm. And he literally turned to her just as she was starting to schmooze up to him and just having a great time and being like, what great presence I'm in. And he goes to her, Glynis McNichol, you have a terrible life. Oh, my God. In front of a whole lot of other people. He continued, you're all alone in the world and have no one to help you. He turned to my friends, dramatically interrupting their conversation. Do you know how terrible this woman's life is? He said, she's all by herself. In another part of the article, she talks about how her friend was describing her book to a bunch of 50 and 60-year-old women who just started sniggering because what they were saying was, yeah, she thinks she doesn't want kids now, but when she gets to 48, she's going to regret that. There'll be a sperm bank. There'll be a mad rush to have kids. It's so interesting, firstly, that people feel that they can have an opinion on... Stick to your own lane. Why do you care? Yeah, why do... but for some reason, it's around motherhood that people think they can have an opinion. Yeah, but I, I know I've said it before, but I think it's women. Like, I think sometimes you form that connection with people that are in the same circle or have the same experience as you with motherhood, right? But then you can't sometimes, you take it so far that you can't relate or understand or grasp those people that don't. Yeah, I think also it's a bit of a mirror for society, people that choose a different alternative. It's like, oh, what ha- would have happened if I chose that alternative? And while I would I would be not happy if I didn't have kids because I've always wanted kids. Yeah. But I, I think people that genuinely don't want kids, I'm like, I actually feel jealous of you. I sort of wish I didn't want kids because it would open up so much more in your life. I'm also, as you know, reading that Nell Frizzell book called The Panic Years. Yes. And in it, she talks about the fact that more women than ever, I think double the amount of women these days compared to the 70s are going into their mid-30s and their mid-40s. Sorry, no, it's their mid-40s mm. without children. Yet we still, from the age of about mid-30, categorize women in two groups, mothers or and non-mothers. Mm. Why can't we get past that? It's so weird because I do think people look at people that are over 40 or look at people that are over 25, I don't know, however old they are that decide that they don't want kids and deem them as selfish or Or like a bit cold or some form of negative. Or like capable of love or something weird. Yeah, I, I know a couple that are in their 60s that decided never to have kids and their life is epic. Yeah. Not once do they look back and be like, geez, really wish I had that. Yeah. Probably because they've got a thousand nieces and nephews Mm. um they've they're godparents to bloody everybody Mm. and they're too busy being godparents how are they going to fit their own kids into the schedule but also (laughs) they get to enjoy the best bits of kids they don't have to do the discipline or the rest it's kind of like grandparents right that's what this writer talks about too that she's deemed as selfish or like she hates kids but in the kids that are in her life she's super present she takes them to daycare drop off and pick up she'll do activities with them take them off her friends or siblings I believe siblings I can't remember but her community's hands because she wants to be around kids she just doesn't want her own and for some reason 
a lot of mothers and potentially that boomer generation yeah, are maybe. triggered by it. I'm not yeah, sure. I, yeah, yeah. Boomer generation sounds right mm. because they were they, – I mean, they didn't have the career opportunities that we yeah. now have, I would say. Yes, maybe they're jealous of the amount of, choi- of choice because they a lot of them didn't feel like they had that choice. If you were child-free tomorrow – Yeah. You've got heaps more money because you're child-free. Child, how, how long am I child-free for? No, sorry. Oh, you just a day. Have, you didn't have kids. Oh, at all. We're pretending you don't have kids got in it. this scenario. You have heaps of money because you didn't have said kids. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy blueberries. You don't have to pay for daycare. You don't have to send them off to Yeah, school. got it. I'm on it. I'm yeah. already yeah, visualising you, you can, my life. You can picture yourself, can't yep. you? Where are you going tomorrow? You've got two-month holiday. Take me with you. Uh, um, I'm probably going to Greece. Yeah. I, I might ditch my husband and yeah. go on a girl's trip. Yeah. yeah. I'd yeah, love that. Stuff. I would love to be able to do a girl's trip that I fund – yeah. And then I just say Which to the girls, you probably could, yeah. Because you don't and have I just kids. say, you just sit back, you just relax, and this is on me. You want to fly then, first class? Yeah. Business is shit. You're right. Let's fly yeah. first. <laughs> How nice. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that. I, I think, to it. be honest, if if I had the means to, and I didn't have children, traveling because when you have kids, far out, man. It's yeah. not that it's unattainable or you can't yeah. do it. It's just it's different. It's a it's really freaking long time on a flight with yeah. a kid that just drains your life yeah it's, it's unenjoyable it's Bali, we went to bali for a wedding in the middle of the year and i was surprised at how different it was because before that the trips we've been on had been more around that six month mark where mm. ray didn't do much and hates and i were just like well we're not going anywhere beyond four hours for the next oh my years, god are we? no wait for this when we went to fiji sienna was 18 months old and she had her iphone right don't come at me she needed a screen we're on a yeah, flight right? yeah it was an overnight flight. It was a risk. Oh, that overnight flight. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> On the flight, as we were like landing or taking off, I think it was takeoff, this lady came around. She was like, I'm sorry, no phones. And because we were boarding at like midnight, I'm like, oh, mate, like she didn't fall asleep. Hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, no. I'm like, oh, all the episodes are downloaded, you know, yeah. not on this my phone or anything. This is a normal situation. Yeah. We need this. And she was like, no, 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 all devices off. And I was like, oh, my. What happened to play? Why mode? would you do this? Sienna, the psycho, came out. She was out of control. Oh, I'm not joking. She came within millimeters of biting an air hostess. <gasps> it was horrific. Mm. And the, the lady, like the eyes that I was giving her, I literally was daggering her. Was this necessary? Like, if my child bites you, was it is this probably more a reflection of you than like, me. <laughs> leave bloody Cinderella on, doll. Like yeah. the whole, it was horrid. Yeah, yeah, it's just not the same. It's not the same. Do you want to ask me where I would go? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm so caught up in myself. Where God, would you? you're selfish where without you children. Go? You are so selfish. <laughs> where would you go, Lou? I think I would, well, now you've got me thinking about Europe. So because I don't have kids and I have freedom and I could probably book the holiday pretty, you know, last minute. Yeah. I'm probably going to New York with my girlfriends for maybe three weeks mm-hmm. and then I'm maybe meeting up with, maybe, do I want to meet up with? Hey, yeah, 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 he'll come along. I think that I'll then meet him in Italy and Greece. Oh, beautiful. And no bedtimes to worry about. Oh. You can get on a scooter because your kids aren't there. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. <sighs> yeah. I will take my hat off to anyone that is happy in their decision not yep. to have kids and I would ask us all to have a good hard look at ourselves because if we're judging people for not having kids, I think that says more about us than it does about them. This episode has actually been very accidentally coordinated. Mm -hmm. The theme has very loosely been around 
parent and non-parent friends yeah. and friendships. And so the poll this week couldn't be a better time with what you've been talking about today, which was that I don't know what I read, but I read something that was totally separate to this. So all the coincidence, but there was about friendships between parent and non-parent friends. Mm-hmm. What percentage of our pollers on Ready or Not do you think said that their friendships changed when they became parents mm. with their non-parent friends? Ooh, I reckon maybe 60%. Not far off. It's 75%. So 75% said yes, 22% said somewhat. So only 4% of over 100 pollsters said that nothing said changed. That nothing changed, which is huge and very telling with what we were saying. So I also asked the same group, what about before you were a parent but your friend became a parent? How much did your friendship change then? How many people do you think said that they did have a friendship change? Oh, it's got to be high, like 80%. Yeah, so it actually dropped for this. So 50% really? of people said that their friendship definitely changed. 32% said somewhat, which is the category I sat in. I probably didn't notice it as much when I wasn't the parent. I noticed I noticed there were changes, but you don't really know what your friend's going through totally. So I think you're a bit not privy to it, if you know yeah, what I mean. Okay. And yep. then 16% this time said no changes at all. So still very, very low rates of people saying that their friendships didn't change at all. Gosh, so, yeah. I find that so intriguing. Yeah. When I did not have children and a couple of my girlfriends did, I noticed an enormous difference. Mm. Like, come on, let's go out for lunch. Are you free? Or like, I'll just pop around. Like, mm. not that I'm that sporadic, but I did. You are so spontaneous. You buy the, fly by the set of your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I am no, joking. No, no, but um, it did, it did surprise me yeah. as in – the things that I would normally have done previously yes. with my girlfriends. Just like the lack of availability. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Like that meme that you sent me that was like, I'd love to have lunch with you at 9.45 Yeah, because I am I need lunch. I'm, my kids are up at 6. 11 a.m. is my new Actually, lunch time. Actually, on that, I have to say something <laughs> funny. So a couple of episodes ago, I was saying I am one of these people that wakes up before my kids. Yeah. I just want to put it out there. My children both wake up. One of them's still in a cot. So if he wakes up at 6.30, he's in there till 7. He can so roll around. Ready. Um, Practice your roles. And my daughter's pretty good. She's always been quite good. But one of my girlfriends was like, yeah, get up before your kids unless I get up at five. Yeah. <laughs> like, who's getting up at four? Like, I was like, yeah, it feels. That's yeah. true. No, you just get up at 3.30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Work radio hours. So I then asked how people felt about it. Obviously, it's a pretty isolating time for a lot of people, mm. especially if they're the first in their group. So someone said, as a non-parent, I sometimes felt like my experiences and challenges were less valid, which I can totally understand. I reckon I felt like that sometimes before I was a parent and like that if you're around a whole bunch of parent friends and you were the only non-parent, the conversation would sway towards parenthood because the majority this, there were parents. I have a girlfriend that I know without a doubt felt this. Yeah. We would catch and up in. Fair. It is so fair and it's yeah. so hard to stop yourself. Yes. Like, Particularly when you're in that early phase because you're talking about the weirdest things like... And you're spending so much time at home alone. So when you are out, you're like powwowing. Well, and also I know as a first-time mum, I say that sometimes, but I do think when you do things for the first time, you're Mm. so unsure of yourself and you're looking for validation and for like other answers or, and did you experience this? If you you, looked back at the WhatsApp messages you sent in the early days, you'd be like, how did I not figure that out? But at the time, you don't know any better. YouTube history, it was legitimately terrifying. You were on YouTube, weren't you? (laughs) I, I tried to be. I was like breastfeeding with nipple 
in like where yeah. are these videos? Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew that for her when we caught up yeah. and I was so desperate to connect with people yes. that were my girlfriends that I felt really comfortable and safe and can say all sorts of crap to. Yeah. That she would sit there and be like, oh, guys, yeah. I don't care about the color of your kids' shit. Like, can we talk about something different? 100%. And that is so. Yeah. I definitely yeah. felt that friends sort of talking about breastfeeding when I was trying to conceive even. You're just like, oh, oh please shut, shut up. up. So mm. I get it, but I've definitely been that person on the other side. But I'm so conscious when I am around my non-parent friends or a mixture of not talking about everything parenthood because it's fucking boring if yeah. you're not in it and it's sometimes even boring if you are in yep. it. Someone else said on the flip side, feels like I have less to contribute to our friendship. I'm time poor and boring now. That plucks at my heartstrings a bit. I've definitely become – have I become more boring? I don't think so but our lives are more predictable. So we don't have – like the tales to tell aren't like – Went to Ibiza over winter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're more predictable. They probably know the most exciting things about our life. And you know what actually really gets me on this is mm. like this second time pregnancy. People have been like, oh, it's so exciting. And you're like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> like I'm grateful and I'm happy and all of of that. But you know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's the most exciting thing I've got going for me that I'm pregnant. Well, it's hey. It could boring. be freaking worse. It's not boring. It's amazing. But you know what I mean? When you're in that moment and you're like, don't feign excitement for me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else said I felt very lonely, like my non-parent friends just forgot I existed. Yeah, I've that's had shit. these moments it's where so they catch shit. up um, and they don't invite you because they assume that it's too hard and you're like, oh, just tell me please and then uh, let actually, me decide. I hate that. It's I hate that awful, too. It's an awful, awful feeling, particularly yeah. those friends that you've been friends with for years. Yeah. And especially if it's a don't small group that. that catches yeah. up where you would normally be invited and then all of a sudden yes, you're yuck. not, it hurts. Don't do that, yeah. It does hurt. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. I had a friend visiting from overseas and she was like, oh, because I live an hour away from Melbourne. She's like, oh, I just assumed you wouldn't be able to come. It's like, you've lived overseas since for years. Also, don't assume, just invite me. Yeah. And and I'll make the decision. Yeah. And like, obviously you just didn't really care about me being there, which is fine. But don't say that you assumed I wouldn't come. Like I come to Melbourne and I make effort with my friends. Yeah, it's no good. I really can't stand that. Another person said, I get terrible FOMO now. I miss the wild, creative, exciting life I used to share with them. That's hard. Yeah, it is hard. I think enough of my friends now are in the parent zone where I obviously get a bit of FOMO, but I think I've had enough friends now crossover to a lot of my friends were parents before me. So I feel like there's enough people that the FOMO isn't too terrible but I get that feeling and especially if you're one of the first in your group. Yeah. So the last part of this poll was how people work on their friendship with their non-parent friends or vice versa with their parent friends if they're not parents. I'm going to give a tip first here too. I have a friend who lives in Melbourne and it's also just the distance as much as anything. We live about an hour and a half from each other. She actually lives in you and it's just been impossible to catch up lately. She works a full-time job. Well, that makes it very difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Like if someone's either part-time or on mat leave, yep. you have those other days where maybe they have their kids and you you have yours so mm-hmm. you can catch up. Makes it very hard if someone works five days a week and you've only got the weekend and the weekends are busy now because it's spring, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we've just made an effort to have phone calls. And what we realized is that it does at least take some of the sting out of not being able to just get a coffee at the last minute. I've got so many of my girlfriends. Like I would say my top five. Yeah, that you just speak to on the phone. I'm serious. That I would voice memo. I love a voice memo. Do you? I don't know that about you. Are you you? joking? I froth on it. I'm literally joking. Surely you can sense my sarcasm. I could. I'm sitting next to you. Um, (laughs) 
Love a voice memo. I would say my top my top five (laughs) five friends are revolved around phone calls. Yep. Yeah. Most well, one of, of your best friend lives in the Yarra Valley. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I rarely see her, but I talk to her. All the time. All the time. And it's just you forget that like you can just pick up the phone and yeah. stay connected. And it's not the same as catching up. It doesn't replace it, but it does take the sting out of missing each other and feeling like I think the hardest bit is feeling like you're not there for your friends, yeah. like you're not supporting them, you're being a bad friend. It's one of the biggest things I think that mums feel like I've, I've got no time for my other friends now. I'm being a bad friend. So that's my hot tip for you is don't always think – of friendships is the need to catch up check in and connect however you can if you have a friend that say got a promotion send them a bunch of flowers in the way that they might send you a meal when you have a baby I think it's thinking outside the square thinking how you can connect and take those phone calls instead of those coffees that maybe you used to get with them 10 years ago at the drop of a hat yeah I have another tip on that one great a group of my girlfriends actually started like a little Instagram group this sounds cute. so naff, actually, as I say it out loud. It actually sounds really cute. But, you know, my, my reaction then was more like, oh. No, do you know what is really nice, though? <laughs> so we don't always see each other or speak on the phone, for example, but, like, we always send each other funny memes. Oh, some of my friendships are literally <laughs> like, sounds, you know, that tennis yeah. um, meme that's like, I send you a meme. You send that's me one. honestly what it is, yeah. but it – Every time we send it, it just gives us yeah. – memes give you an insight into what you're feeling or what's yeah. going on in your life that day. And Instagram has this amazing algorithm that serves you the right shit at the right time. Oh, they are good. Though. Kudos to you, Instagram. And just being able to share it gives you a laugh and you automatically feel connected. Yeah. So set up an Instagram group, DM your friends. You don't have to be talking for hours. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, to be honest, I have these things like these bouts where I just cannot be bothered to talk, yeah. which is hilarious as – Actually, while we're on this, and I've heard this in a podcast before, I wish I could remember whose, is that your non-parent friends who might be working want to call you at either 8 a.m. or 5.30 p.m. on their drives, which I get because that's their free time. But that's especially that nighttime call. I'm like, I actually can't. This is why voice memos are so good, Lou. Voice memo. Yeah, I love a voice memo. Don't get me wrong. You crossed me over to the dark side Mm. actually with them. So, yeah, with that 5.30 call, you're either with your child and you're like, bound up with dinner, whatever, or you're having a break and you actually just, it's like, it's like being touched out. You're like, I cannot, I love you, but I cannot speak to another person. Hit me with your best tip. Ah, learn golf. Jokes. (laughs) Jokes. No, no, no. But don't be afraid to suggest or participate in sports at work, particularly if it's male dominated. I know it sounds really weird, but an example from myself is that at a previous company I worked for, there was a golf day. I do not play golf. I love the fact that you went on a I, golf day. I do. Pref- I, I pride myself at mini golf. Okay. Yeah. Good putter. Well, I'm actually really good at mini golf too now. Yeah. <laughs> competitive. Dick swinging okay. contest around here. I'm good at mini golf. Okay. Well. Maybe we should go play. Yeah. So... I was no good at golf. I put my hand up because I thought, you know what? This sounds awful, but I can admit it now that I'm no longer there. This was a long time ago. I was Four very young. I thought, oh, I just can't be bothered to Get work. Get me on the green. Exactly. Get me out in the so sun on the green. I went there and there was like a women's group. All of us were as horrid as each other. Golf's hard too. Like it if you hard. haven't played, it's not like kicking a ball. It is hard. But you know what it did allow that day? It allowed me to listen to conversations that I otherwise would not have been a mm. part of. So to anybody that is considering it, sport, an opportunity that's like, you know, extracurricular mm. at work, put your hand up because I think you'd be so surprised 
what you get mm. from that day as opposed Especially to what you give. if it's in work hours. Yeah, do it. Like we're not doing the 5 p.m. activity, but we're keen on the 1 p.m. one. Yeah, for sure. My tip is to listen to my latest episode on Ready or Not with Lauren Trent. And particularly within that, I want to highlight what she shared with me about being a queer mum going through the medical system of appointments and whatnot that come with conception, pregnancy and babies. And she talked about the fact that she always felt like anxious and on the front foot to be like, oh, no, there's not a dad because every single person would bring up the dad. And even though some – I know a lot of people who maybe are not as open-minded might be like, oh, does it really matter if someone asks where the dad is? But if you're in a relationship with a woman – who you love, who's the other mother of that child, it would be so draining to constantly have to be like, do I decide whether to tell them that there's another mother yeah, or do I just let it go? So I think the my tip there is to use more inclusive language. Just talk about parents and just think. Maybe it's something we could both apply to ourselves. Exactly. Mm. Even in this is just to talk with more inclusive language. All right, Loz, that's bye for now. That sums it up for today. As always, if you enjoyed listening to today's episode, please leave us a review. Positive. If you would like to follow us, we are readyornot.pod on Instagram. Mm-hmm.